edition of the Unicorns podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Today on the Unicorns, I'm very pleased to say that we're joined by Lisa Ison, the CEO and founder of RegTech business, Skyjed. Lisa, welcome to the Unicorns. Thanks, Justin. It's great to be here. Well, first off, I must ask, where did the name Skyjed come from? Well, the name oh, Skyjed, it's based on the Tibetan word for growth. So as we started the business, it's always a challenge to find a, a name. So um, Skyjed and the sort of Tibetan fit and growth um, is, uh, is sort of perfect for our business. Have you ever been to Tibet? Yes, I have. I went to Tibet many years ago, um, but I think my interest in Tibet started um, probably around, I think it was around 20 years ago. Um, the Dalai Lama mm-hmm. came to Australia and yes. at that time I was sort of actively involved in charity work and okay. had the opportunity yeah. to, to meet, I think there was about nine other people, but we had a um, half an hour meeting with the Dalai Lama at Town Hall. Really? Tell yeah. me about that. <laughs> what was that like? I, look, it, I have such strong memories of it. And I think the, the thing of, I mean, obviously it was amazing to get to be part of a s- small group of people that we got to, to meet him. But the thing that struck me most is that when um, in the conversation there was a lot of silence, like there was a lot of <laughs> reflection in his conversation. And, you know, I think, you know, when you'd ask questions, he'd he'd take time to reflect on that and and then share insights. So, yeah, it was just so energising to spend that time. You weren't weren't tempted to to fill the silence with with words and conversation? No. Well, look, I think there was a group there, so we we were limited in the sort of questions that we could ask. But, you know, yeah, it was was really inspirational and I think that experience has sort of stayed, stayed with me on my journey and, you know, hence when I decided to sort of step out and start Skyjet, it was, you know, it was an important part of the journey. So I sort of started searching around, you know, names that would reflect what, what we were trying mm-hmm. to get. Yeah. And that, that sort of um, spiritualism, has that, has that guided you in your journey as a, as a startup founder? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, when you go on the startup journey, it's, um, it, you know, most people understand that it, any, creating any business is challenging and um, you need sort of resilience and commitment to, to where you're heading. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it's a long journey from the idea to getting your MVP and getting into market. So you definitely need, you know, a support network around you of, um, you know, a belief system, but also, you know, family and friends. So it's definitely... Really you're easy. right. It's, um, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, is it? Like, it's, it's hard. Setting up your, up your own business is hard. Take us through some of the, the challenges that you've faced. Uh, look, I think in the early days when you, you start off, it's, it's really finding, you know, the problem you want to solve and, and getting confidence that there is a sort of global market there, a gap in the market and, you know, developing mm-hmm. out your solution because um, it's a pretty active global market. And I think that's the first, you know, the first step that I went on was 
um, I decided to take take a, a year off from you know a sort of twenty year corporate career here in Australia. Yeah, yeah, and I I did some um, work with private equity companies in the US and Europe. And as I you know went on that journey, I sort of had conversations or interviewed you know more than a hundred business leaders. And I was just really searching to say if I find a pain point and it's compelling enough, you know, I'll develop some software. So that first stage of the journey is a sort of a challenge in terms of, you know, 12 months is eight to 12 months to kind of do that research and deeply understand your customers is a, you know, a big commitment yes, and to yes. go, go through that um, journey. So that was certainly a challenge. And then I think the next step is once you've decided where you want to focus and in my case, it was really around this this area of product governance and you know product trust and the whole environmental and ESG agenda. Um, it's then sort of building, you know, attracting the right team to to come in and help you build a global software company. <laughs> that's right. I think, you know, and that sounds there's you know there's not a lot of um you know a lot of people and look I fully understand there's not a lot of people that can step out of a full-time salary because they have, you know, commitments yes. um, to, yes. to come in and, you know, work for sweat equity or a very small salary. So that really narrows down um, the people that um, are in that talent pool. So, you know, finding the right people at the right stage of their their own journey that want to take mm-hmm. that profile, I think is certainly um, certainly a, the, next, um, the next challenge that you've you face on that journey. Yeah. So what is it, uh, what, what is the problem that SkyJet is actually solving for businesses? Yeah, so the problem that we're focused on solving is product governance. Sort of product governance in, in businesses today is uh, pretty inefficient and outdated, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the area of, monitoring all your non-financial risk. So businesses are, are really effective at monitoring all their, their revenue and their financial metrics. Yes. Um, but what we're helping them to do is monitor their, their, the governance around their products. So the whole environment. And when you talk about, when you talk about governance, what <laughs> specifically are you looking at? Well, areas like um, your environment and your social impacts, so modern slavery in your supply chain. Yes, yes. The climate-related risk um, and impacts around your product life cycle, but also just meeting your regulatory obligations, so in in your product portfolios. And what we're seeing, you know, Australia's, I guess, recently joined um, Europe and US in really strengthening the regulation around product governance. Okay. Yeah. Here in Australia, they've um, after the Hain Royal Commission, they've implemented um, a new regime that um, that ensures that companies need to put in a product governance framework just to mm. monitor their products and and uh, ensure that they're um, you know fit for purpose for their customers and also just meeting those regulatory obligations. Are you you finding, is it your experience that you're finding that corporate Australia is well on top of 
uh, the legal requirements around this um, around this area? Oh, I think it's it, it's getting increasing attention here in Australia across mm. not just financial services, uh, the boardrooms in financial services, but we're seeing interest in a, a wide range of industry sectors um, after the Hain Royal Commission, but also, you know, there's a broad agenda around environmental and social impacts and modern slavery. So yes, I think yes. these are just starting to sort of grapple with, well, um, how do we how do we um, do that effectively um, across you know, often pretty complex product portfolios. And what sort of um, what sort of customers are you working with? Um, are you working with both li- listed clients on the ASX and also private companies? Give us give us a flavour of um, of some of your client base, if you can. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I think the thing about reg tech is that you know it is um, uh, sector agnostic, so it fits across a broad range of industry um, sectors. So yes. in our case. Of course, you know, financial services, so, you know, credit unions and banks and insurance, superannuation, but also um, energy companies, uh, telecommunications, mm-hmm. um, technology companies. I mean, we've got startups that um, are interested, you know, startups and neobanks that are interested in adopting, you know, new digital tools as they start their journey to, to get their product governance uh, right, um, medtech's another area that's um, that's interested in this this sort of product governance area. So look, it's pretty broad broad range, and uh, it's it's sort of top end of town. I mean, we've got sort of yeah. top ten Australian companies uh, using SkyJet, and you know, s- smaller businesses um, as well. And, and what was it when you were sort of going around talking to the business leaders, trying to form an idea of what their pain points were collectively? Was this was this one of the things that sort of jutted out to you, saying, "Well, there's there's a gap here. There's a gap in the market for um, regulatory compliance and technology." Yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, the feedback was was very compelling. So those business leaders. Um, you know, shared with me that they they have invested in um, technology to launch new products. So the yes. whole agile innovation agenda and and tools um, tools like Jira and road mapping tools to to get products to market faster. But after you know, I guess that post launch management of the life cycle of the product, it it was definitely lagging in terms of the oversight and monitoring and improvements. So those those businesses were, you know, using probably a whole lot of disparate, disjointed tools, which is was sort of is making it quite um, quite challenging to to manage and and pretty inefficient. And how tell me how has COVID nineteen the pandemic uh, affected your business? Has it has it been uh, a case that a lot of businesses just, you know, try to cut costs where possible and hide under the desk until it all went away, and as a result, your product wasn't needed, or or, or the reverse of that, where it was actually we need a tech solution to ensure that uh, we stay on top of everything. Yeah. So look, I think it's 
uh, it's gone through a couple of phases. So I think initially, you know, the same as our business, I think there was, you know, a really increased level of uncertainty and complexity and, you know, businesses needing to to move their entire teams to remote working. So there's yes. a period of time of, you know, that uncertainty. But for us as a um, tech company, it's, uh, I guess, we're a good example of, you know, growing through this this period. Um, okay. As, as yes. Sort of, That's uh, good. As Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great source of optimism for us to, to move into 2021. Um, but also, you know, where... Um, we're sort of creating creating more jobs. We're, we're, we have put on and are actively putting on new team members um, and we'll continue to do that for the remainder of this year and into to next year as we, um, as we gear up to, to grow into um, Europe firstly and then the US in, in March. Great. Okay. Well, we'll get to that a little later. Mm. Uh, there, there has been some commentary in the media around compliance failures uh, by certain industries, sometimes um, some, of, some of the big banks. Um, in, in your view, what is behind these uh, failures? Is it ignorance or arrogance? Uh, look, I, I think um, the way I'd sort of frame that is that the culture, um, the culture in an organisation is, is sort of critical to have um, good governance. So, you know, the examples that we've been seeing recently, I think, point to that that culture not not being there, particularly in large organisations. Um, and secondly, I think it's just having, you know, having that transparency across the business and having the right sort of tools to get you the the insights that you need. So. It's a combination of both those things. You can have the right tools and the right governance framework, but you haven't got that culture of teams collaborating and you know calling out risk and problem solving through you know risk as it emerges. That you're not going to get that you know that good governance and and uh, you know focus focus on the customer that you need. Mm. Do you think uh, gone are the days where? Um, big businesses in particular can treat corporate governance as sort of a nice to have, but not essential. And it, it can be almost swept to one side while other areas of the business are, are focused on. Uh, look, absolutely, definitely. And I think there's, you know, there's plenty of examples here in Australia and globally to, um, to illustrate the, the, even the financial impact if, if you don't, um, mm. Don't get that right, but then also the the impact. Well, the re- the regulators will, will come down on you hard. Absolutely, absolutely. With with fines, and we've seen some pretty significant fines um, post the Hain Royal Commission in financial services in Australia. But um, look, I also think more broadly the you know that agenda of uh, investors and consumers. I think globally are you know wanting. Uh, wanting businesses to uh, make a contribution and impact on the, you know, emerging environmental and, um, you know, social issues, things like modern slavery. So I think we're seeing um, we're seeing interest in that across all sectors and, you know, business leaders, um, rightly so, are, are starting to tap into that and make it a priority in the boardrooms. 
Mm. So is it is it hard for you to try to convince some of these big companies to invest in reg tech or do they now know that this is an essential part of their corporate playbook that they just have to have? But look, I think um, in financial services, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a new uh, regulatory regime that's that's coming in um, coming in uh, in Australia for financial services, and that means they they have a deadline of October next year to put in place a product governance framework. So we we are seeing active interest across financial services to to look at how they they do that and adopt technology to to make it more efficient so that um, that awareness is definitely there in financial services but as i said it's we we're getting sort of questions or we're seeing boards start to ask the chief product officers you know what is our governance framework how are we managing um, non-financial risk and you know monitoring climate related risk those those sort of key areas so I think it's definitely definitely on the agenda here in Australia and, and globally. Does it um, does your tech solution uh, is it best suited to um, you said before it's agnostic any particular industries or size of industries as such? For example, would um, would smaller businesses? Um, I'm not sure how we define that, but mm. um, say find use in your product. Yeah, look, definitely um, smaller business and a range of industry sectors. And but the reason I say that is that you know most businesses, most product and technology businesses have a a product management um, function. You know, a team, mm. a small yeah, okay. team. Um, when you get larger, those sort of team grows, and you know they typically work with your marketing teams and your sales teams, but also your regulatory teams to just to ensure that you're designing products that are sort of fit. For purpose, but then after you've launched them, you're actively monitoring them to make sure that um, you're improving them. Number one, and then number two, meeting those regulatory obligations. And I think what we find in in smaller businesses, the interest in 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 meeting the sort of compliance obligations and and being very customer focused, it's definitely there. It's in some instances, I think it's stronger than in in large corporates. Um, but however, okay. in the past, in the past, they you know they haven't been able to you know hire an army of product managers or invest in big IT um, solutions. Um, mm-hmm. But now, I think with the emergence of you know reg tech and software as a service. Um, solutions it just opens opens up the benefits of you know in, in our case the, sort of the product management disciplines to those smaller businesses um, without you know needing long lead times and you know large large teams to get those those disciplines of the the big end of talent tell me when you um, when you talk to your friends and and um, they ask you you know what, what what are you doing these days and you say I'm running a business called Skyjed mm-hmm. uh, it's a SaaS platform and we're in reg tech do, do, do their eyes sort of glaze over and they don't really understand what you what you've just told them well look I, let's just pull that apart so reg tech um, definitely but I'm I'm seeing that change so when okay, I started good, on this good. journey with Skyjet, I would definitely be asked all the time, what is RegTech? And then right. people would think it was um, FinTech. But in the mm. last six months, 
uh, I'm seeing, you know, a shift in that. The, okay. The understanding that regulatory technology is is um, much broader than sort of fintech. Yes. If anything, it's sort of the umbrella over fintech and fintech's a subset of regulatory technology. I think okay. that, that awareness, um, I'm getting less sort of glazed eyes and, you know, now <laughs> quite a lot of people saying they understand. Nodding of heads. Yes. <laughs> I understand what... Uh, what uh, reg tech is um so yeah that's changing and uh and you know in the sort of product management space product governance space again i i can see it shifting from you know when i started on this journey people would immediately think of you know agile new product development but that is also shifting um as as businesses you know need to address all of all of the compliance and also, you know, continue to grow. So, um, yeah, that's that is changing. So obviously, there'd be um, obviously it's a, it's it's a busy market. Uh, you're not the only reg tech operator uh, out there. Uh, so mm. what what, it, what is it that makes your platform at SkyJed unique from uh, your competitors? Yeah. So what um, what makes us unique is our focus on product growth and compliance. Um, so we're not a sort of risk regulatory tool that gets used by your compliance teams. Mm-hmm. We're a tool for those those product product managers as they continue to try and grow their portfolios, make them profitable, but also meet the regulatory compliance. So we brought both of those features together in a you know a digital platform that's um, can be used from anywhere in the world as teams are working uh, remotely. But it it's a really effective tool to you know do this governance you know do it cost effectively, be able to you know bring in multiple teams to collaborate around your product governance and uh, and automate all your your reporting around that uh, product health. Okay. Um, now, broad, broadly speaking, the regulators in Australia, um, what sort of job are they doing? Without wanting to get too political, um, are, you, are you broadly supportive of um, the work that they do? Yeah, look, I think the, the regulators um, are sort of facing you know, a bit of a sort of a step change in, in their role as well. And um, I think over the next next five years, I do think that They've got to find new ways to address, um, you know, some of the sort of future business models that that we're seeing. So, you know, things like regulating privacy and, you know, the whole new technology use of artificial intelligence. Um, and and we're seeing that, you know, now in the, in the, the media industry with the HSBC mm-hmm. working with, you know, Google and other players on that. Um, but I definitely think in the next that five years, the, the regulators, how they deal with those emerging industries, your, your neobanks, your climate-related impacts, it, it's a whole different um, regulatory um, regulatory field. So um, I think we'll, we'll see that sort of step change and, and also, you know, for them to, to consider the technology mix in how they regulate um, so they okay. can be more more yep. efficient. I think think is will be on the agenda here in Australia and globally. 
And what what about support from Canberra? Do you think uh, reg techs, by and large, are getting enough uh, support from the Commonwealth, in your view? Look, I think this this is a the area that is also um, uh, changing, and I think we we uh, we're seeing the the federal government starting to recognise the potential of um, reg tech, um, and you know, you know practical things like the the Productivity Commission released a report um, last month, pretty significant report into. Um, the potential of regulatory technology, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I think reports like that 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 report looked at you know the benefits of um, adopting software as a service tools, and it cast that not just across you know large companies, but also the the significant benefit for Australia's small business sector. So reports like that, I think, are just you know part of the journey that we're going on to get that um, federal government sort of support to, to grow, um, grow regulatory technology in Australia, the adoption of it here. But the other side of that is that I think is, is the export potential as a yes. you know, emerging jobs of the future coming out of COVID. Um, it's definitely a sector that has high... Um, high potential in terms of um, export and creating creating these jobs of the future. Um, well, just just on that, um, often it's said that the the tech industry, broadly speaking, is a good barometer of the underlying strength or weakness mm. of the prevailing economic conditions in Australia. So, if if you're to read your uh, your tea leaves, what mm. what are they telling you? based on um, business activity, uh, what uh, we might be able to expect in the Australian economy in the in the near to, say, me- medium term? Yeah, look, I think the tech sector is definitely um, one, one sector that can, you know, lead, lead us out of, out, of, out of this period and create those jobs of the future. And, look, I mean, the, I think the SkyJed, you know, journey is you know, a great example of that, you know, job creation. So um, my technology team are based down in Melbourne. So when I started on this journey with, with SkyJed, um, you know, I set out to create a global software business, but I made the strategic decision that I wanted my you know, software development team based in Australia, creating mm-hmm. those jobs of the, the future. I've had, you know, several opportunities where I, could have outsourced it overseas, but I've made made that decision to keep the team down in Cremorne in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and, and was that, was that the right decision? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah, you know, being I, I mean Melbourne's great. You you can attract um, you know diverse talent across the the university um, sector, and uh, you know the quality of the the team um, team. Very level. good. Yeah. And, um, excellent. So I think, yeah, you know, we're we're ramping up, we're growing, we're creating jobs um, here in, in Sydney in terms of you know customer success and customer design roles, all of those um, jobs of the future. So um, and we'll continue to to do that into next year as we um, we service the the interest that we're getting, particularly from the UK and Europe, and then 
um, in the in the US next year. So tell us about that. Um, what what um, what does twenty twenty one look like for for Skyjet, particularly with um, the growth of the business abroad? Yeah, so we're we're definitely moving into that sort of scale up um, growth phase of, of the business and experiencing an upswing in in interest in um, you know the Skyjet digital digital tools. So um, for us. Um, we 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 have a sort of a three year growth plan. So 2021 sees us expanding into um, the UK um, and Europe, and uh, we've uh, we've already sort of commenced uh, commenced on that. We we have a we have for the last two years had a collaboration with the Imperial College of London, um, researching how Skyjet. It really helps break down those silos and improve the culture in an organisation. And that's been a great foundation for us to um, embed ourselves into the, the UK and European market. So we'll see that um, scale up with um, putting, putting people, uh, business development roles and customer success roles into that market and likewise in, into the US market. Um, in the first quarter of next year. So, look, it's, Samri, it's, it's pretty exciting. And I think yeah, it's good. exciting to be at this sort of growth phase. But also, um, you know, when we started this conversation, just talking about, you know, what is product governance and that whole um, increased interest on, you know, monitoring your environmental impacts, addressing your modern slavery and your social impacts, and, you know, doing that um, at a, you know, a product level. Um, even you know exiting products that you know are a mis mismatch or, or not performing. So it's it's definitely an exciting sort of high growth and and I think in, you know important sector for um, the economy and important sector for getting our our social um, and environmental agendas sorted out. Well, we will have our fingers and toes crossed for you for future success and we wish you all the very best uh, in the months and years ahead. Lisa Ison, CEO and founder of RegTech company Skyjet, thank you so much for joining us on the Unicorns today. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. It's great to have you.